Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Almost Good Podcast, the podcast where me, I'm J. David Osborne. Hi, and him, David James Keaton, talk Hi, about movies. Hey, how's it going, Dave? Doing okay. I'm gonna, Doing okay? I'm, I'm going to be talking in a little soothing voice because the baby sleeps. The baby sleeps <laughs> in the Keaton, the wild the baby sleep tonight. Tiny baby, an angry baby. Um, a wiper cool, man. butt, a wiper butt, a wiper butt. <laughs> it's good. We're starting off with some fucking hot topic yeah. dad t-shirt level humor right here. Dude. <laughs> I should tell my dad to listen to this podcast. He's going to fucking love it. Um, do you want to start us off with anything? I have. This is kind of a reversal for us, man, because I, I feel like... The past few episodes, you've had, you've come prepared. You've come with your trapper keeper full of besticky yes. notes. All sorts. Of, yeah, yeah. I've been bursting at the seams today. I got nothing. So you got nothing. I'm, oh, I'm gonna, boy, I'm gonna ride. I'm gonna ride your melt, as they say in reality bites. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. All right. Um, so right off top, I think we can we can get be topical here. We can talk about something that's. Uh, in movie news, extra, extra, people are fucking stupid. Um, so I guess somebody was interviewing Martin Scorsese about his new film, The Irishman. This looks pretty good. Doesn't look bad. I mean, I only saw the trailer. It's a three-hour movie. I don't know. It's probably probably pretty good. It's a made. Uh, it's a made for Netflix. So we'll we'll, we'll just adjust our expectations but I, I can't imagine he would make something that didn't look like a movie mm-hmm. so they were interviewing him and i guess the interviewer thought it was a good idea to ask him if he liked comic book movies which is bizarre so let us attack this premise right off the bat you're an interviewer and you're interviewing probably one of the most acclaimed directors who's ever lived i feel like that's fair to say right yeah yeah he's um Definitely. He's probably the last great. Like Coppola doesn't even make movies anymore. Right. Um, he's he's it. He's all we got left. <laughs> and so what you and so you ask him, do you like comic book movies? I'm assuming that's what the question was. I, they probably might have gotten into it. Stupid. What a dumb idea. It's like asking him, hey, have you seen the Beethoven movies? Because <laughs> it's kid. It's kid shit. Like it's beneath. The person you're interviewing. It's not part well, he of was the in Shark Tale. He was in Shark Tale. Let us not forget that. <laughs> okay, okay. But it's so. I, I saw his quote. You've dug deeper than this. I just saw where he said he said they're not movies, they're more like amusement park rides. He said so they asked him, Do you like Marvel movies? He said they're not cinema. Um right. and then you're correct. He compared them to theme park rides and uh essentially said it just wasn't his cup of tea. I feel like he was pretty nice about it. Um, Nicer can, than we've been. We've said the, the right. same shit for two years now. Yeah. So we haven't been very nice about it. I agree with him completely. They're not. Of movies. course. There's there's something else. They're they're like I, I wouldn't even call them amusement park rides. And I don't even know if his gripe was that didn't he say they're movies by committee? Is that? Um, I don't think that that was a part of the quote. I can pull up the actual quote if we want to get this I just correct. don't see the controversy. Like, he's going to have opinions about cinema. 
he he's part of that group of guys that have been like trying to maintain and restore and keep it alive. Like he he has more information on it than this know nothing who was interviewing him probably just said. What's in you know what makes a ton of money? Let's ask him about like Marvel movies are hot. Like mm-hmm. they, they, they don't know. They don't have any. There's the the bench isn't very deep when it comes to movie criticism. You know what I mean? Right. Right. It's, it's, exactly. It's a, the the bench is very shallow. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that guy wasn't. He probably didn't think he was getting some kind of zinger. He probably just thought, "What's huge? Let's." <laughs> he he might have. I don't know. I don't know. It's just such a non-issue. Like the guy's not gonna like this horse shit that pushed him onto Netflix. That's why right. the Martin Scorsese movie is on fucking Netflix is because we have 25 fucking kids movies in the theaters. Of course, he's right. going to be mad. He's going to be mad about it. Right. The exact quote is regarding comic book films. He says, I don't see them. I tried, you know, but that's not cinema. Honestly, the closest I can think of them as well made as they are with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances <laughs> is theme parks. It isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being. So first off, because I too completely agree, and the main thrust of this thread of, um, uh, to, to use a Wendigism, to put on my ranty pants, um, <laughs> you like that I'm just openly disdainful of him now? <laughs> like I used, to try, to, I used I to try to tiptoe around it, but now I'm just like, He's reached a level where I'm like, I feel completely comfortable just being openly disdainful. Um, well, if, he, if he had started off in any sort of, um, if he if he was more of the the cinema regarding like his his books than that Scorsese was talking about, mm-hmm. he's definitely full on board with the the other version, the theme park ride version. Right. Like exactly. He's, he's he's doing the Star Wars thing, and is he doing a comic book? I don't know. It doesn't feel like. It doesn't feel like literature anymore over there. I only had the one book, The Blue Blazes, and there was definitely Gosh. something. There was something different going on. Um, but it was just, I was going to say regarding him, I saw a quote from jo- is it Josh Whedon? Yeah, I, Josh, Josh I, Whedon. I, I, I thought it was uh, Chuck Wendig. They look alike and they kind of sound alike. And they I type in a lot of all caps. They do, and they I didn't realize Whedon had been canceled for some reason. <laughs> I missed something. I missed the. It was a while back, man. He's in trouble, and mm-hmm. unless we, unless I did and forgot about it, what did he do? He said something about women characters. He said some sexist shit, I think. Um, uh, which is funny because you know he has Scarlett Johansson in his movies, and she seems to just be like the yes woman for every shitty dude director out there. She's like, <laughs> I don't really think Woody Allen did anything. I just, I don't. <laughs> And coincidentally, like, he signs a lot of my checks. It's weird how that works. It's weird. Yeah, I saw the uh, Ween was re- reacting to the Scorsese quote, and it was nothing but a giant pile of people saying, uh, "You still trying to fuck your actresses, dude?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Wait a minute, I missed something. I missed the whole fucking step." Wrecked. Fucking wrecked. Came to the end of that one. So people had a lot of different opinions about this particular quote. I personally only uh, take issue with it because I don't think cinema has to be about um, human beings relating to other human beings. Yeah, um, I think he, I, I agree. He, he redefined it in a very narrow way. I agree with what he's saying, 
but he he left himself open to a whole different kind of reaction. He could have sidestepped. Just what you do so when easy. you're talking off the cuff, though. That's what yeah, you do. When you, yeah. I mean, that, that's always right. what happens. You say some. If if you were to take a pull quote from literally anything I say on this show, it's a rap, dude. It's like <laughs> this is what this is what David believes. He's fucking mean. I right. looked online and originally, initially, the comments were. Uh, very kind of in support of Scorsese, which I liked a lot. I retweeted a couple of them, uh, which I will read now here. Uh, Sean Thomason, who is at The Thomason, says, I like superhero movies, but did anyone really think Martin Scorsese was sitting in a theater going, fuck yeah, Thor has two hammers now. (laughs) Um, And then uh, by your logic, he's a, I think he's a Chapo guy. He says, um, every Scorsese movie is very clearly about people who see everything as a transaction being terrible to each other. And every Marvel movie is about how you have to be brave to join the Air Force. I wonder which one has a better message for the developing 30-year-old minds on this site, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, I would would disagree with his characterization of all Scorsese movies, but I see his point. mm Mm-hmm. Right, um, I mean, he's got some. He's got some truly weird movies. Um, if you go, if you dig deep enough, but I see what he's saying. Yeah. Um, so then I go and I'm like, you know, Dave and I are going to pod. So I'm also vaping, by the way. Sorry about that. Um, Dave and I are going to pod, so I need to look up some of these zingers. And by the time I get to it, it is completely flipped. And then the I think the comic book geeks are finally waking up because it's. Uh, you know, about eight o'clock at night here. So they're kind of rolling out of their Cheeto dust encrusted bed <laughs> and yelling at their mom to have breakfast slash dinner. But you know, it's always bacon, 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 boy, oh boy, epic, epic bacon, bro. So they, uh, first thing I see when I, when I search this is somebody putting up that God fuck awful comic where, um, I guess one guy says, oh, I like a thing. And then guy number two says, oh, I hate that thing. And then guy number one pinches his lips shut and says, shh, let people enjoy things. And I take I take so much issue with that. Um, because when you're talking specifically about Marvel movies, I mean, they've already they've already won, dude. They're yeah, already they're not, the biggest thing on the planet. They're not. A, they're not an underdog. And plus, that I hate that thing because it's one person offers an opinion, then the other person does, and they're like, "No, your opinion's negative. You can't have a negative opinion." It goes right. against that. That it's it's that shit I was saying a couple shows ago about relentless positivity. Like everybody has to suck the fucking marble dick. It's like we're up to what, Avengers Endgame was. It marks the end of what Phase Three. So. And that was how many movies? That was like 20 movies. Way too many. Now, And they're saying that there's a phase four, which is another, what, another dozen announced, another dozen more. Mm-hmm. Where I mean, what's left to learn? It's like phase four, where the, filmmaker, where the filmgoers will learn how to cradle those corporate balls just so. Like, just what are you, so. What are you doing when you go see those movies? Like the, when they try to explain what happens in a Marvel movie, as if it's cinema when you were just quoting that um like that that d- doesn't even sound like satire that's exactly what it is they're 
there, I mean, there's some subtlety, but that's when they go off the reservation. Like this new Joker movie is some R-rated one-off <laughs> where there's not going to be heroes doing heroic shit. Right. Like people can enjoy them. Just quit pretending that they're movies. Quit pretending that it's that it didn't force mm-hmm. actual artists to Netflix. Yeah, and, and or there was something in. Oh, go ahead, finish Lynch. it. I was going to say it literally forced Lynch out of the theater. And I'm not just inventing this. This is what he said. This is right. what this is what the the fucking science said is he can't make movies anymore because you guys like your toys too much. Exactly. So, now, so Lynch had to go and do that jerk off uh, <laughs> uh, sweepathon <laughs> that you that you love so much, like mm-hmm. uh, Twin Peaks four or whatever. Yes, three, I dude. Also, Come on, three, man. Whatever. I enjoyed on, it. I, I enjoyed it, I guess, but it was minor Lynch. You're just got, you're just you are you are just trolling your sister right now. He this got, is a direct troll hey, of maybe. your sister. It, I liked it, but it was minor Lynch, and he got stuck there because everybody likes their fucking pops. Everybody's got to have their pops, so we're stuck watching these fucking movies. All we get twenty more of them, and uh, and this guy was disgruntled, so he yeah. said so, and now everybody is like, "You have to love it," because and when I see these people talking about they went to see a Marvel movie and it inspired them, it's, I don't know, saved their life or whatever. I mean, that's great, but you can, but we have to admit that you're saying that about Beethoven four. You're saying that about, right. about honey, I shrunk the kids. You're not saying that about adult things. Well, it's kind of an analogy would be a person who is at the end of their rope, completely suicidal. They've decided to end it. They're going to walk to the nearest high point that they can find. And they're going to throw themselves off of it. Right. They're walking down the street and in a shop window, they see a display of Furbies <laughs> and they go into the store and they pick one up and they say, oh, what the fuck is this thing? And it goes, bar, bar, dee, bar, bar, bar. and they're like, huh, well, that's kind of cute. And it makes them live another day. Now, is it good that they didn't jump off of a building? Sure. But I'm not sure that's exactly a triumph of a story, you know? And I'm yeah. not really sure that it's fixing anything. Um, whatever. I, just, I can't stop thinking about the one thing that he nailed was the idea of movie by committee. We're not you're not being inspired by, by an artist. You're being inspired by a bunch of people chomping on cigars, forcing interns' heads down into their crotch. Right. And there's, then they're just fucking serving you up this fucking shit that has this, you know, gloss of heroism. And people think it's, it's not even real. It's not even, it's not even there. And it, I was thinking back to the, uh, we had that little bit of an Oscar scandal. Do you remember Spielberg was going to propose a change mm-hmm. to, the, yeah. to the Oscars? And he was going to say Netflix movies are eligible for, because they're eligible um, for Emmys, right? Or, mm-hmm. yeah. And he wanted it to be, he wanted it that to be the case. No, I've got it backwards. Netflix movies are available, are eligible for Oscars as long as they've been in a theater, Right. So that's why the, the Irishman is already premiered in a couple theaters so that it can be eligible for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't, if it just goes to the Netflix toilet, like uh, the other thousand movies, if you click long enough, it doesn't, it doesn't, elig- or it doesn't, uh, it doesn't get counted basically. Right. So um, he was, Spielberg was saying that isn't even, you shouldn't even be able to just show it in the theater once and then dump it on Netflix that, 
he said that those should be Emmys. And I think he was right. I think, you know, and I'm not even, I mean, Spielberg made the worst best picture nomination ever with that fucking, uh, with his um, half-ass, uh, the Washington Post movie. What the fuck was it? Um, the Newsroom? No, it was, uh, I guess it was uh, two years ago. It was the last, it was the worst best picture I saw. It was something like that. It was like the, it was like the paper or the, yeah, the, I want to say the paper, but I don't know. The post maybe? Was oh, it the, the post? post? The post. It was fucking garbage and he should not have been nominated for best picture. However, he's absolutely right. These movies look like TV and he's right when he says Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu, they should be considered for Emmys instead of Oscars because there's something else. Like they're not, like when Scorsese's trying to separate cinema, sometimes I don't know exactly what people are talking about when they're defining cinema, but I know what these things are on Netflix and Amazon and Hulu. They are not it. They are, 75% of them are just, they just scream TV movie, right? And there's exceptions. Right. There's exceptions like Roma looked like a movie. You Were Never Really Here looked like a movie. Neon Demon looked like a movie. And they all had theater runs. And I didn't even know some of those were made for uh, Amazon. I just mm-hmm. thought they were, you know. So there's exceptions. But besides them, you have so many that are this kind of made-for-cable-esque, just fucking fiascos. that are they And they scam you. They pretend to be events like that Cloverfield Paradox. Do you remember when that happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, I mean, I don't want to bring that up a hundred times, but they had... They had a movie that they knew was garbage. They're dumping it on Netflix, so they advertised at the Super Bowl so that everybody could tear through t- Twitter and say they had a big diversity win. They're like, the mm-hmm. rules have changed. Movies are just coming out of nowhere, and it's going to change the face of movies. And of course, it was just this fucking this tax dump that somebody <laughs> had fucking unloaded because it was so bad. And it was just... I, I don't even know what I'm saying, but just like... The, what people consider a win with these superhero movies is they're they're pointing to a lot of the diversity slash tokenism that you're seeing with these with these uh, casts, and it's the same thing with that. The reason that that uh, that fucking Cloverfield Paradox was championed for the same reason. Everybody talked about this diversity, but it was all money related. It was there was one Chinese character speaking Mandarin while the other characters speak English, but they had the English. They had the Mandarin-speaking character understand English and the computer speak English. So they just have her speaking Mandarin with subtitles. And it's not to shake things up and be interesting or diverse. It's to pander to a massive Chinese fucking market. Right. It's a way that you can just click on those subtitles as an afterthought for for us, but they can still throw a bone to where the real money's coming from. It's like the reverse of the first Godzilla movie where they shoehorned in a couple scenes with 15 minutes of Raymond Burr as this American scientist, though he was of course Canadian. Uh, he's like slammed in there because the Americans need something to like to hang our mm-hmm. hat on to watch Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And this is the same thing. Oh, that's like, like me. Throwing... That's like me. Yeah. And that's what they're doing for the Chinese market. And that's what they did with the, with um, was that one I just saw transformers, something with fucking dinosaur transformers where there's this fourth act that takes place in this giant Chinese city. It's like, uh, holy shit. Like you're just not even pretending anymore. Like that's, that's who's running the show. 
Yeah. Right, and, and it's one of those it, things too, where and it's all run by by capitalism, right? And so capitalism, yeah, well capitalism yeah. is going to do this, where it's like, you know, if if you think it sounds cynical, it's like, okay, well, why wasn't the woman in that movie speaking like Tacosa or something? Right. That's, or that's the point you got to it to remind me what my whole point even was, which is that it's about it's not art, it's money, it's not diversity, it's money, it's just mm-hmm. this artless pile of money. And when there's a celebration, when diversity is money, it fucking makes me bristle. And that's why these Marvel movies are exactly that. And I, and right. when I see, I don't know if that's what the the, new, the argument is on the other side, like why they're so inspirational is because of their, their, uh, you know, these, these diverse casts, but that's not why it's, ha- it's not happening for an artistic reason. It's not happening for a reason other than the grossest reason possible, which is to pander, to be suckers, to, you know, to just to pretend everybody's pretending it's fixing something. Yeah, it's just I, w- I want to come back to that, actually, because I think that a movie that did exactly what these people are talking about correctly actually is Climax, which we will get to soon. I want to bring up one more tweet, though. One more tweet yeah. about the Scorsese thing, and then we'll put it to bed. So I saw this tweet a lot, so I'll paraphrase it. But it's people saying, like, you know... I really like his movies, but uh, he sounds a little jealous, which is so American. It's so American. <laughs> if you have if you have qualms with anything, it's because you're you're jealous and you right. wish you could be that thing. You can't just hate something because it sucks. That's somebody you who's never to... seen a, one of his movies. Like, why would you think that he wants to make a, a Marvel movie? What are they even saying? I'm, well, I'm somebody sure responds. Somebody responds with like, "This guy made Taxi Driver." Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street, they list a bunch of movies, and the person says, um, I know what movies he made. And then the response is like, if you know the movies he made, then that makes what you said even worse. And yeah. yeah, got to agree with him, man. It's stupid. It's um, and It occurs to me, uh, ranting about our, our, our flood of very TV-looking movies, that um, we've been watching a lot of foreign imports that yeah. look like that look like movies it's yeah they weird. do like like when you if you dig deep enough on netflix this is where i'm going to contradict myself and ruin my whole point hulu amazon prime netflix full of real movies they're just foreign movies yeah you know like the night comes comes for us was an amazing looking movie and the, those look like whatever it is cinema is you're gonna that's where you're gonna find it martial thought, arts movies look all look like movies yeah, those, 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 Indo, those Indonesian gore fests right. like, that's all how look you like know, movies. That's how you know that you're watching something done by a shit American filmmaker. Is ask yourself the question while watching the movie: Is the scene lit up like a hospital waiting room when you're watching the movie? Does yeah. it look like you're in a hospital waiting room with under fluorescent lights? You're watching an American-made film. Are people mm-hmm. being shot in the film? Are they being shot like an erectile dysfunction commercial? <laughs> You might be watching an American-made movie. That's how shitty our stuff looks. Right. Now, Scorsese's stuff doesn't look like that. Now, maybe the Irishman does because he's broke and he's been forced into the same fucking halfway house with David Lynch. I don't know. But you can tell what our movies look like. They look like shit. And it's 100% you can lay that at the feet of this behemoth that is superhero films. And you right. Don't, you don't have to, and you don't, you're not even like being... You're not even being controversial when you say it. Like he shouldn't have been. That wasn't controversial what he said. 
That was common sense what he said. Right. Well, yeah, and I think that when you get to a movie like Climax, I was um, I was thinking about this a lot, and the stuff that I like in movies, <clears throat> the name of the podcast is Almost Good. And the reason why is because when you have an actual filmmaker making an actual movie who's got an eye, you're going to get good and bad stuff, but it's going to be both the good and the bad will be idiosyncratic. So it could be beautiful, but also kind of boring. And it can be, you know, slick looking, but maybe a little sociopathic or something, a little emotionally cold. Mm -hmm. What that represents is a human brain and a human brain that's firing on all of its cylinders. And it can't distinguish, you know, between what's quote unquote good and quote unquote bad. So it's throwing whatever, you know, things its subconscious wants it to throw out there. You know, it's kind of in the grip of a sort of muse, I guess you could say. Mm. And it's just sort of it's just sort of pumping stuff out. And so you get real goofy shit mixed in with really good stuff. And that's kind of like I don't know if you want to transition already to climax, but that's how I felt about climax. I was like, this well, yeah, feels I, like a person made it. It's a right. That's a good that's a good transition because that he's absolutely right about the film by committee. Is they can they're trying to sometimes you can tell there's there's an artist mixed in there somewhere whether yeah. it's like one of the villains does a particularly good job or one of the plots is kind of fascinating um i just watched this i watch all these movies as you know because i'm an idiot yes i right. just watched uh before we get to climax the new um spider-man movie far from home okay and uh it's bad, but despite it being bad, there is something fascinating going on in this movie where it was clearly made by committee. Like the last, I don't know who made the, the Spider-Man Homecoming movie had like 10 names attached to the mm -hmm. writing credit. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure this one's no different, but Jake Gyllenhaal plays the, uh, the villain. Mm -hmm. And they're so far down the rabbit hole of what to do with these movies now that something interesting might accidentally happen. It almost felt like somebody was uh, somebody that was like being held hostage at the fortune cookie factory. And so they put a message in the cookie like, yeah, right. like help, because uh, there was it felt like somebody was screaming for help in one of those cubicles. Um, the villain. I'm going to ruin the shit out of this. All right. Real quick. You're never going to watch Dude, it. Right. Fuck. No. Of course not. Well, I'm going to ruin it for the viewers, too, or for the listeners. Uh, but so the Spider-Man movie, the villain is Mysterio. I don't know if you remember him from the comic books. Yeah, he's got a big old magic ball for yeah, a head. He's got a crystal ball, ball for a head. head. Yeah. yeah, and he had, like, little eyeballs on his shoulders. That's that's all I remember as a kid. And he, uh -huh. was, like a fuck, and he was, like, literally a magician, right? He was, a fucking, right? he was a fucking sorcerer or whatever. Yeah. So there's an update on this that on paper is, I'm not going to call it brilliant, but it's definitely a piss take, okay? So this this fucking villain shows up, and to endure this movie, this is the biggest problem: is for a solid hour you're watching a really terrible movie. Then at the hour mark, there's a twist where the movie you're watching is not what you were watching. So you're watching a movie where these giant elemental creatures, there's a giant water creature, a giant fire creature, etc are destroying cities and Mysterio comes and saves the day. So That's we're already, tight. so it's already dumb as shit, right? Well, then an hour into the movie, the, uh, the Mysterio character, he's proves himself as this worthy hero because of all these things he's been doing. 
he uh, convinces the Spider-Man character to give him the keys to the kingdom. Basically, he has like these magic glasses that activate these killer drones and all this technology so that the Mysterio character turns out to be a villain, Jake Gyllenhaal. And when he does, when he gives him the glasses, he, the scene changes and he starts laughing. He's like, finally, I can take the stupid suit off. And the whole first hour of the movie was a joke. The whole first hour was a was a fake invasion, so that this guy, this this like lesser scientist guy, could just steal the keys to all this technology, mm-hmm. so that he so that he can continue to fake being a superhero with with like illusions of special effects. Mm-hmm. So it's like the it's like the movie FX from the eighties, where now his suit doesn't look like the comic book one; it looks like the the fucking motion capture suit that the the Andy Circus and the fucking uh, mm-hmm. the rings wears. So he's got like the suit, but it's got a uh, some sort of readout ball on his head, and he's just directing all these drones, but all these little mini movie projectors that are making people think they're looking at monsters. And he just gives this speech like, you know, people are stupid and they'll believe this shit. And it's like you're talking about the previous films. Yeah, yeah. you know. And he's like, you that know, is interesting. That is, I, I'll give it that. That is that is actually pretty interesting. You could tell they had run out of everything to do. And so somebody said, what if, like somebody must have looked around the room and said, as they were filming a movie, a superhero movie, and said, can we just film them filming the movie? You yeah. Know, can we just film the green room with these people right. with the, te- the tennis balls on their faces? Right. And that's the villain. And so when that happens, I'm like, I admire the balls on whoever snuck that through. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is it's boring as fuck because you, you don't get to that. You have to pretend like you care about him fighting fire monsters. There's no hint that it's fake until it happens, till the twist happens. So you've already invested an hour in this piece of shit. You've almost left anyway. And by the time that shows up, it's too little too late. And it's not funny enough to be subversive because it's still made by committee. It's still putting all its ducks in a row for the next one. But you can tell it was the beginning of the it was the beginning of the the cracks, you know, in the facade, right? Mm-hmm. Like it it definitely was a commentary on the stupidity of superhero films, and I'm, I don't think it's a stretch to say that. I haven't looked up a single review for it because it just was totally under my ra- um, what was under the radar. I didn't know anything about it going into it except. I was mildly curious what Jake Gyllenhaal would bring to those movies. <laughs> and he brought something weird, you know? And mm-hmm. anyway, I just wanted to say that. All they the find these about... really great actors to be in these movies too. Gyllenhaal it's... rules, man. Like he's really good. Um, he was, he's not good in this until he's gets better when that twist happens. Yeah. Because when we were watching it, Amy says to me, she goes, he's not good. What's why isn't he any good in this? And then she goes, it's like he's acting like he's acting. And that sounds kind of cool. Like uh, you knew exactly mm-hmm. what he was doing, but it's not fun when you're watching it because for an hour you just think this guy can't act. Right. And that was a point that I was going to bring up earlier too that is relevant to the new Joker movie that's coming out. This is not a Osborne original. This was a thought that I, I'm co-opting that I read somewhere. But what's... um kind of interesting about Marvel movies is this extension of, you know, all-encompassing Cthulhu-like parasitic capitalism is that it begins to invade all other genres, right? Mm -hmm. So what you end up with with the Joker is 
we're beginning to see this this sickness, this virus spread out into other movies. So, so now we've seen so a superhero. We've seen a superhero movie essentially spread into a real taxi movie. driver. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's a good, that's a good point. Because it, yeah. it does kind of look like a real movie. Right. So somebody, I can't remember, they had really great um, comparisons, but they were saying something to the effect of, you know, in a decade, we're going to get Fight Club or something like that. <laughs> But it's gonna have you know Batman as one as like the as the Tyler Durden character or the Joker as the Tyler Durden character, <laughs> and you know we're gonna have Goodfellas, but it's gonna be all supervillains, you know, and it's gonna be like oh this is just like Goodfellas, but you know we have the Joker and Harley Quinn and all these people, and they're fucking right. It's like these avatars in a right. in a in a mystical occult sense. It's like these these archetypes have now begun to take over everything around them. They're, they're right. spreading essentially. Somebody did uh, I saw this on Twitter regarding the Joker movie mm-hmm. where someone said um, somebody ought to put uh, to, to like control the, the narrative of the Joker movie being so controversial is have Joaquin Phoenix do like one of those, um, one of those like PSA shorts where he thanks officers in the audience for their service right. in, in full makeup. And so somebody was doing like a play by play of it. And they said, hi, I'm the Joker. And then he rubs off the paint and he goes, well, actually I'm Joaquin and I play the Joker. And then he walks over to this big chair and says, you know, there's a lot of mayhem in the world today, but there's no joking about the gratitude I feel for the men and women in blue. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I saw that one. I know what you're talking about. That's a good one. That is good. Like that would be great if, if it's kind of like what you're saying, like the infiltrating all aspects of everything are these fucking assholes in face paint and fucking capes. Think know? about it. They, they do spread. So they started off in comic books and then they spread to cartoons. They spread from cartoons to T-shirts, from T-shirts to graffiti, from graffiti to decals on people's cars they spread from those, you know, there's toys. They're just spreading out. All of a sudden, you see them on Taco Bell cups. You start to see them, you know, pop up on your screen. You know, before you know it, you'll get a table from Ikea, and you'll look on the bottom, and there'll be a little tiny Joker face right there. <laughs> and it's just like, what the? Did I buy the fucking Joker model of? But that's what these things do. That's what cat, I mean... It is kind of what we're, if we're looking at it in a meta sense and we want to kind of stretch a little bit, what we are looking at is the way that capitalism works through our entertainment system, how these, how these moneyed organizations spread out and they, they buy up all the talent, they co-opt all of the kind of indie genres and stamp a corporate label on them. And most importantly, they make them quote unquote better. Yeah. Well, they yeah, they, they pretend before. to be they pretend to be progressive and they pretend to be yeah. you know on the right side of everything and they're yeah it's um it's it's like gross. a it's like a it's like a smoothie shop moving into a neighborhood and let's say oh well, actually let's not use a smoothie shop let's just use something like Walmart you know when Walmart moves into a town and all the mom and pop shops close but it's like yeah but we're employing so many people you can get your jobs at Walmart or to go back to the smoothie shop say it kicks out a small mom and pop juicer 
and this big corporate soylent thing comes in and says, you know, this is better for the environment. It's better for your health. All these things, everything's clean and crisp. It looks like an Ikea catalog. We got rid of that dirty, grody, mom and pop indie thing and replaced it with a corporate thing. That's what this is in movie form. How do people like this shit? It's sad that indie movies are like the, because they're so cheap that they kind of look like movies. Like it used to, Scorsese used to make huge giant films that also were, you know, on film. And I don't know if this Netflix movie is going to be digital. Uh, Some people may not notice it, but it didn't used to be that the indie aesthetic meant art. There was big art. There used to be big art. And now it's, it's not really that. It's, um, it's this other shit. Uh, the, the Joker movie has the illusion of being art. But, man, I don't know. Those trailers look rough as far as... I thought so, too. They look kind of dumb. Like, how, much, how many times can we watch Joaquin Phoenix, like, caper around and giggle? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I liked about the Heath Ledger performance was that he looks ridiculous and he acts, yes, he's crazy, but he acts very, I don't want to say normal, but he acts, he doesn't act like a giggling, dancing clown. You know what I mean? He acts like, like a, a scary, gangster. disturbed person. Yeah, he basically. acts like it's, yeah, like that, I think that was the, the, the hook is that he's kind of a gangster. Mm-hmm. And so, so people are like, what the fuck is this guy? And he's mm-hmm. just like, listen to what I'm saying. And that was that contrast is what made it interesting. What I've seen of this new Joker movie, I haven't seen it yet, but you've got a guy dancing in slow motion and capering and mincing around. It's like, I'm going to get sick of that after about 10 minutes until Mm -hmm. I want him to act normal and be this, but be this on, on the surface, be the monster. I don't know what I'm saying. Like the, the reversal isn't happening with what I'm seeing on the, on the previews. Joaquin Phoenix is great, though, so who knows? Maybe it's good. But it sure looks like a pretend uh, art movie. It looks like... Yeah. It looks like it... It, it looks it knows... like the Starbucks version versus, like, an actual indie yes. coffee shop. You know, it looks like they, they took all these things. You know, you got Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips started off... Remember that crazy Gigi Allen documentary that he did? Where, like, did, there's home video it. footage heard, of, like, yeah, I heard about people it. pissing in his mouth and stuff. It was yeah, crazy, like, man. People eating shit. Mm-hmm. I, old school was hilarious back, back when I it saw was. it. It yeah. was. I saw the the first couple of Hangover movies, and they were weirdly serious. I, it was not what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're very grim. And mm-hmm. um, and I'll, I'll give him credit. Like, in a, he has an eye. His stuff is stylish, but in a Michael Bay kind of way. Like right. the the men look very rugged, a lot of stubble and like a lot of a lot of sunsets and dawn. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like it's yeah. it's got that like a really good commercial. Mm-hmm. That's what they look like. Yeah, um, so it, it might be good. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe that'll be the next pod. So climax. Um, did you just give a? Did, did you ahead. think you were in trouble when you when you started watching climax? In the beginning, was do you remember that onion article? where it says, like, cool glitch effect on movie logo means serious shit about to go down. <laughs> that happens on this fucking movie. I was, I was convinced funny, that dude. we were in trouble because the yeah. fucking the logo goes... Bzz, 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 bzz. You're like, oh, fuck. This <laughs> oh, movie is shit. so... Uh, this movie's fucking electric, dude. It's shorting <laughs> it's out so the fucking edgy. logo. 
Um, no, I, I, I didn't. I'm a, I'm a big Gaspar No fan, and I, um, I don't even know where to start with this. I think I'll start with a plot summary. So the well, plot you... is very easy. Go ahead. I wanted to ask you about the uh, the weird format. Like it starts with, it gives you all the credits first. Yeah. They give yes. the, all the entirety of the movie credits roll after the logo glitches and somebody like stumbles out into the snow and then the entire end credits roll. Right. Um, and it has an interesting effect. I don't know if this is on purpose, but didn't it, it felt like he did that so that the movie didn't have to, he didn't want you to sit there and think about the movie. So when the movie's mm-hmm. over, it's just like, it's just like when, like when jaws ended, when they wash up on the beach, the fucking copyright date pops up and it's like, get out of here. Right. It's time. Get the fuck out of here. I think yeah. that might be the reason or it might be just to be edgy and weird, you know? I think it was it was a weird decision because he shows the credits and then halfway through the movie, um he lists all the all actors, the artists, yeah. all the yeah, all the actors and the, the and the musicians the who are who are in it. Right. It was kind of like uh who did that? Oh, uh, uh Mandy. Mandy had those weird mm-hmm. credit yeah. credit breaks. I like a, I like those interludes because I'll just I'll get it out of the way right now. I did not like this movie, mm-hmm. and but that broke it up for me to where yeah. I f- I felt like I was binge watching like the series Suspiria Junior, so that I could. Right. It's like oh here's another ten minute episode of Suspiria Junior where they're gonna dance right. until they puke. So it the interludes broke it up. I think without breaking it up, it would have been a real tough chore to sit through. Yeah, yeah, I I I agree with you in a way. Um, real quick, just to get it out of the way, the movie is really simple to explain. It's, yeah, what's it about? Um, Give us a plot. There's a story that happened in 1996. It takes place in France. Um, there is a sort of dance studio, abandoned industrial hellhole in the middle of the woods in rural France, and a troupe of dancers is finishing up a practice session because they're going to go to America and have a dance-off against an American crew. Um, So what ends up happening is they decide to cut loose after doing their dance routine, and they start drinking and, you know, talking a lot. And then after they're done talking, things start to get really weird. And it's in the description of the movie, so I'll actually just say it, but... The movie itself doesn't really tell you what's going on, which I think works to its effect, but they've all been, the punch has been spiked with a massive amount of LSD. So they, we we do get that. Uh, They at least accuse each other of doing exactly that. Well, it's like, okay, I, I'll get, I'll get to that in just a second. So basically anyway, shit hits the fan. It gets fucking wild. It turns into kind of a nightmare. And that is the plot. Now I want to real quick address the reason why I was confused um, as somebody who's done a lot of LSD, um, is that it's never had that effect on me in any dose, high or low. So for me, coming from it from just, hey, stop chewing on your paws, dude. Why are you chewing on your paws? Don't do that. Sorry, dog was chewing on her paws. Oh, I thought that it was confu- an, L- an LSD narration. <laughs> <laughs> so it, conf- it basically confused me because I thought, oh my God, what is happening? Um, oh, I had so read nothing were, about the movie going into it. I was like, are they being... You, you thought that was an excuse, like they've been pl- the placebo effect, that they would freak out because they thought they were drugged? Not even. Well, I knew that they were drugged, but I didn't know what the drug was supposed to be. 
Um, yeah, it's. I think that there's something supernatural going on. It's, it's like uh, the whole time I kept thinking that it was essentially they were saying like, "Do you like Suspiria, but you don't like witches?" Well, we've got the movie for you. Did you like the the climax of Suspiria, but not the whole movie? Well, here you go, because it yeah. had that. But then the more I looked at it, I thought there's something vaguely supernatural going on about the location. There was a couple lines in it where they talked about something spooky going on with the building, maybe. Uh-huh. And and I think that they are both, they did have this, the punch was spiked, but they're also at the mercy of some, I don't know, some like Wendigo spirit type thing. Wendigo is a good word for it. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. Some, somebody's fucking with them. Right. Something supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you this though, dude. I didn't. I didn't realize this about myself but i like watching people dance i did too i loved i love the opening i love the opening dance well the opening is so the movie begins and we have a bunch of these audition tapes which are mildly creepy even when they're not being intentionally creepy there's something creepy about audition tapes yeah i think think it was a it was a cumulative effect because you saw like at least 50 of those fucking things yeah so by the time they're over you feel like you're actually been through that process right and it's a weird way to when you have a cast of fifty people, they they show every one of them introduce themselves, and I thought it was interesting because it sidesteps the fact that we don't really get to know any of these people. So yeah. that's a good way to front load any expositions. They walk up to a camera and they tell you who they are and what they're about, and in a nutshell. And some of that stuff did pay off, where some people that said that seemed like whatever their obsessions were kind of were hinted at in those interviews. Mm. So then later when like the, some of those characters did um, indulge in that sort of shit, Um, not enough maybe to justify why we sat through so many interviews. You should clarify that you, we watch them interview an entire cast and there's gotta be a cast of what? 30 people. Probably. Probably. It's a weird weird opening, right? Mm-hmm. it is it is it is weird i um I, I liked it and i think once we sort of wrap up talking about individual parts of the movie i'll articulate because the reason why i like that is kind of the reason why i liked quote unquote the whole movie but it's a bit of a slog to well not a slog but it's a bit in depth to get into um but the opening dance number dude uh and every, any time that they do a dance break before the shit hits the fan, yeah. uh, I was, was in it. And there were two long, two of them were very long, and they were very good. I would have watched yeah. that rather than the movie. Yeah, yeah, because it was just it was just kind of cool, to, and it's so well choreographed and just sort of interesting. And they did a but real also, good job of finding a diverse cast with like a bunch of different body types. You know, you right. got the you got the big old chunky black dude, the black dude who can twist his body around all weird and look funky you got like these androgynous women you know kind of i don't know euro trashy looking i don't know how else to put it does that right. is that is that bad i don't know um hey stop well, stop, Scrant, stop what's interesting stop is they it. seem to be uh it, it's well. like you said it's choreographed but choreographed in a way like a bunch of people went to the bar and they know each other really well and mm-hmm. they start dancing like it was very aggressive and wound up. They were doing all these hand movements. Is that a new thing? Is that what the kids are doing this day, day and age? Is like pretending to punch the, the air in front of them really fast. 
because they hand things. I have no idea. Ever, do you notice what you know what I'm talking about when they're like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like that old thing you used to do to people when you'd say, okay, you're running through a forest and you do the hands really fast, pass, pass their head. Or you do, say, are you scared of a butterfly or something? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was, uh, I liked watching that stuff. And when it started to fall apart, um, I was worried because there was still an hour to go <laughs> in right. the movie. Right. Right. The, the last hour is our people on this dance floor, uh, flipping out. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What can you you can't do a whole lot with that. Um, there was some people did more with it than others. Like there was a guy who seemed to be trying to rip his own head off, and yeah. I I often think about doing that myself. <laughs> and so I really could relate to whoever this guy. It was like that Aqua Teen Hunger Force. You know, it's like ooh, rip own head off, and he right. like flip and he flips himself over every time he tries to rip his head off. Yeah, I thought that was the funniest fucking thing, and I could uh, that guy. I was fully on board with whatever he was going through. Um, right, but other people are just. Have you ever done acid? Of, no. Uh, oh, okay. okay somebody cool. spiked a a joint with um, hash. I think okay. I told you the story before, and uh, fucked me up. I was. Um, I told you I ended up on railroad tracks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. At, I don't think you would do well with with acid. You might be one of these. You might be one of these revelers, dude. <laughs> I might do the same thing. Yeah, because I was working at Kinko's, and this guy would always get high behind the building. He's like, "Hey, you want to go get high? It's, you know, that's the uh, last day before before the weekend or whatever." So I go out next to the dumpster and smoke with him, and it was this weird metal cigarette that it was full of this weird stuff. And he's like, "I got to tell you, man, this was this this cigarette's a little." more uh this is more expert level than you might be used to i'm like what's what do you got going on here he's like i'll tell you later and then i i walked home because my at this time i had a job where i would walk down these railroad tracks to kinko's and then go home and work like an 11 p.m to six in the morning shift Mm -hmm. so i'm walking home and uh i just it seemed like the most natural thing in the world to lay down on the railroad tracks and because I, i was like i could take a nap here and I would wake it. This in the, Pittsburgh? The tra- uh, no, this was in um, Bowling Green, Ohio. Okay. And so I would think, well, the, the a train is the is the uh, the most natural alarm clock in the world. There's no way I would sleep <laughs> through a train. I, if I if I put my head on the rail, I could hear the train coming. Like I'm not gonna, nothing's gonna happen. And I fucking woke up with rust all over my face. Um, I guess I'm maybe the train would have woke me up. I don't know, but I woke up and it was light out. And I had rust all over my face. I was like, I somebody fucking spiked something. And then that guy later, he's like, Oh yeah, that was that was full of uh, full of hash, um, or full of. Um, if I'm not mistaken, though, hash is just just really potent weed. Um, well, then maybe it's something else. Can what? Can yeah. I Google? Can I Google drugs? <laughs> <laughs> well, will I get a list of drugs? What what? Smokeable. What did they? Po- what what they in my cigarette smoke a bowl drugs because it, it so sounds wait, to it... me from your story that you got really sleepy and <laughs> fell asleep in a dumb <laughs> place which sounds a lot like really what is, strong what weed is mu- i got here it says mugwort what's mugwort <laughs> that shit will fuck you up i think no oh, that's real no i'm it's thinking of something else smokable smokable drugs. mugwort is real yeah we're gonna find out what i smoke because i'd know it if i heard it there's uh, some kind of list. stuff where like there's it's like seeds. It's not, it's not poppy seeds. I was going through, I was going through an arrowhead um, rabbit so hole, and there was this stuff going around. 
But Hold this on. is all stuff that like, but you've never had like a halluc a hallucinatory hallucinogenic experience, is what I'm saying. Uh, I, you know what, I did take acid in Bowling Green because there was some sort of incident with grass turning into glass. Oh, okay. My, but that was a fucking long time ago. I'm still down. I'm still trying to figure out what I smoked here. Opium. Maybe it was opium. Opi- opium? Oh, okay. Opium. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, What's the difference between opium and hash? What is Hash is just weed? As far as I know, hash is just... Is just oh, yeah, it says just, here a dish of cooked meat cut into small pieces. Ah, yes. uh, yes, bangers and bangers is, and hash. It's bangers and hash, dude. That's, that's what, what it I is. smoked. Yeah. I smoked. I smoked meat. meat. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. <laughs> oh, I walked right into that. Oh, you did. I walked right into that. You did. Uh. Um. So this movie gave me pretty intense flashbacks. It was really hard for me to get through because when I was in my early 20s, uh, my friends and I acquired a research chemical, which was kind of our favorite pastime. It was a real legal gray area at the time because the the compounds themselves were not illegal. They were uh-huh. sort of analogs of other stuff. So you would get MDMC instead of MDMA which had, you know, slightly different effects from actual ecstasy. There's a law in place where I'm pretty sure you can get pinched for that stuff, at least now, where it's like an analog act where, you know, if it's close enough, then you'll go to jail. But long story short, we would get this stuff, and um, we got a package that we thought was one thing, and it turned out to be something that was much, 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 like something like 60 times stronger. And uh, me and about five of my friends were awake for five days, just tripping balls for like five days. And that uh, that deeply scarred my psyche. It's probably why I am the way that I am today. But we had boarded up all the windows in the house. And it was a lot like Climax, except we were all very focused on keeping our shit together. So whereas in Climax, everybody just loses it and starts going crazy. We were all like, all right. Especially around like day three or four, we were like, okay. We can barely speak words anymore. Uh <laughs> You know, we're all sweating. Well, that's like you're like what happened in midsummer, where they're sitting around and like, oh no, it's a new person. We don't want a new person right now. Like right. they're all to, they're all together trying to keep it together. Yeah, yeah. So that was like, I mean, I've had plenty of perfectly fine experiences as well, but that one was probably the the sort of real life equivalent that was closest to this movie. And so I found, you know, to to use the parlance, I this movie definitely uh, triggered me. I had to turn it off two or three times. And just like kind of catch my breath, not to sound too well, much like a wuss, but I was just like, "This is this is bringing me back, dude." Well, there's some there's some uh, honestly alarming sequences in it. It's not as I saw that guy's other movie, the one was just a camera goes through a series of tunnels and people's faces get smashed. What the hell movie was that? Like Irreversible. Oh, Irreversible, yeah. Yeah, so it's not as harsh as that. But there's some harsh moments, like emotionally harsh, the, like when they're bullying the pregnant girl. Oh yeah. And uh, basically, what Lou? ends up happening is they start they start trying to figure out who spiked the punch, and they go for the people who didn't drink any first. So they, the first guy they go for is a Muslim dude who doesn't drink. They toss his ass out in the cold, and he freezes to death. Oh, spoiler alert! Whoops. Whoops. Um, and then, if you listen to this podcast, you know that we spoil. Spoiler. The second person is a 
pregnant woman who didn't drink because she's pregnant. And so it starts, she starts getting kicked in the stomach by this woman and it's just ugly. The sound effects, all of it, you know, it kind of lingers on her in pain. Um, and then she goes out into the main dance area and everybody is surrounding her, this mob, and she gets a knife to defend herself. And they start saying, you know, kill yourself, kill yourself. So she starts punching herself in the stomach and then starts like cutting her face with the knife to yeah, appease the appease the ravenous mob. And I was and like, she's, seems like a little they, bit of a Twitter commentary to me. If, if a little me. bit. And it's um, I guess they're most of them are non-actors. So mm-hmm. she did she did really good there. That I think the the kicking in the stomach was I kind of expected something, you know, edgy like that. But the yelling was, at her, the yelling at her actually made me sad. Like mm-hmm. there's that the, the her like look on the face when she's like, yeah. can you not, not do this? Then it actually kind of made me, you know, it was it was cool to discover I still had feelings i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> towards a towards a character in this yeah this, this, how this. um how come how completely heartless everybody is is really it is yeah. a very existentially nihilistic and bleak movie where these people are like just monsters like every shred of humanity is kind of stripped away from them and it's very the effective look. at sort of mimicking how people are on these uh sort of trips you know how they you know when we go through life we like not life i'm not trying to be all deep here on an average day you go through these waves where you feel like you you kind of go under and then you come back up for air so let's say you get you're on the road and somebody cuts you off you go down a tunnel of anger and then eventually you come out the other end and it's like a breath of fresh air you're like oh i'm not pissed off anymore so when you're on these hallucinogenics those those tunnels or those waves become very very um solidified even though they're still in your mind so it can often feel like you're actually riding a wave that's sort of sucking you down and then letting you back up for air and you'll have this you know you'll go down this tunnel where you're a you know you're a fairy in a forest somewhere and you're looking for a prince and (laughs) you're just deep in it and then all of a sudden whoa you'll pop up on the surface and look around and be like that's right i'm a person i'm here i'm in this room and then you'll have a thought and you'll be like oh fuck i'm getting pulled back under again and you know and so eventually a lot of a lot of people who take hallucinogenics they'll say something like um is this going to last forever because it wears you down lsd tends to last for about eight hours so it wears you down over time to the point where you just want it to kind of let you go and there's there's parts in the movie where people echo that where they say is this gonna is this gonna last forever and i think that's also kind of what the movie's doing in its yeah, second I was, half. I was just gonna i was just gonna say the movie uh, the movie does emulate that pretty well because i felt like the last hour felt like eight hours i felt like I was well it's only it's hours. it's only it's only like 40 minutes because the movie itself is only an hour and a half and it's split almost directly in two it felt like, like they a start... lot <laughs> i felt like i spent a week with them after yeah, they, you you said you said you know a TV the TV uh, episode version of Suspiria. It's kind of that. It's the trip itself is about the length of the average TV episode. Um, yeah. But who boy, like it feels it feels long. I think once the the kid screaming in the closet was pretty harrowing. Um, yeah, and what's kind of and it's kind of sadistic, but also it's it's like a punchline in the way that like it's hard to top the. There's like a play with a gun moment in Planet Terror. Do you remember when the little kid, she's like, now don't play with the gun. He's got, there's a gun in the, 
in the glove yeah, box, right, wait for right, daddy. Right. And then the camera angle is her walking up to the house and over her shoulder, you see the flash like a, <laughs> and then she goes back to the car and the kid blew his face off. Right. Um, do you, you remember hearing about how he, that was his son in real life, Rodriguez. So he went back oh, and filmed, uh, he went back and filmed extra scenes with his son still alive in the movie so that when the kid would watch the movie, he wouldn't die. So that there's oh, a wow. version of the movie with him like on, in the last scene riding a horse on this post-apocalyptic beach. But but anyway, so the whole the kid in the closet, they put him in there and they say, don't touch this cat or don't touch this fucking like, uh, power this box. Fucking power this box, yeah. Box, or you're going to get electrocuted. And sure enough, about 15 minutes in the movie, just enough for you to stop thinking about it. The lights all flutter. <laughs> And you know mm-hmm. that that's what happened. And somebody yeah. says like, oh, he got fried. And everybody laughs. It's so dark. Yeah, it's pretty grim. After that, um, that was kind of the last person where you worried about them in a normal sense or you felt like you knew them. So after he goes, I kind of didn't give a shit about anybody. You got the whole, you know, they get the red room climax because the power goes off. And so then it kicks on like the emergency red lights. So you've got a red room. The Suspiria lights, dude. You got the Suspiria lights. And so the climax, the literal climax of climax is this 40 minutes or 10 hours, depending on your perception of people trying to rip their own heads off or fucking on the floor or yelling at each other. And it gets kind of lame. Like it doesn't feel like it deserves to be in the red room. You know, like when I hear about a red room, I think of Suspiria or I think of the, you know, like the room in Videodrome, like, uh-huh. This, fe- this felt like it plateaued with its horribleness. And mm-hmm. after that, we spent a lot a lot of time with some reasonable tr- uh, transgressive moments. Like it's it's not so harsh to for people to be yelling at each other and like fucking on the floor, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. what is that? that's a, mm-hmm. that's a that's a Thursday. Right. So. Right. It doesn't seem. That And I think it also hinders it where after yelling at the pregnant girl and her cutting herself, you were kind of strapping in for some real crazy shit, especially if you saw Irreversible. And um, and especially because you know that these are non-actors. I was thinking, are they going to kill some of them? Right. <laughs> they, they brought in these non-actors. Are they going to eat one of them? But um, but no. Yeah, there's only one, one star in this, right? Uh, that Sophia, what's her name? The, I don't uh, remember her name, but yeah, the the chick you see on the poster. Yeah, she's in the, uh, yeah. in Kingsman. She had the the bladed feet. Oh, okay, she, cool. I I didn't see that one. Oh, she was an Atomic Blonde. You know, she did okay. the. You remember the Atomic Blonde had all that that like sexualized fighting. It was back when the movie came out, and everybody said, "Finally, a movie where women are fighting like men." And then, of course, the the fighting is this sexualized scissor legs over the face and grind each other. It's like, yeah, that's because that's how I fight. That's how I can't wait to just grind my groin into some dude's face. Like it's fun. Yeah, it's that, funny that, enough when Hollywood panders like that, but it's even more hilarious when they just when they get it wrong, when they get a Brett Ratner analog to do the thing. Like we're gonna do female empowerment. Who should we get? Where'd you get Todd to do it? He's he's a really good good dude, and he understands chicks. And then Todd comes in, he's like, "I heard y'all was gonna make a film about broads. I got just the thing." Because <laughs> this just, is this, how they this is how they fight. 
Yeah, this is how they fight. They scissor each other to death, Rock, bro. paper, scissors? No, it's scissors, scissors, scissors. You know what I'm saying? It's scissors, 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 baby. And it, let me tell you something, it fucking rocks. You can put that on paper. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. You're choking up my, my cigar fumes over here. But yeah, she was go. the only, she was the big star. So they, I thought they got a lot of uh-huh. mileage out of her. She was pretty good. But I she would was. say that these those non actors were just as good as far and if the part is physically demanding, I think that they were up to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I yeah, I this can actually bring me to my kind of um, where I I did I I agree, but I also disagree, and I think it kind of comes down to sort of what I was talking about earlier with the you know a thing like a Marvel movie versus something like this for me. Um, I kind of am at a point right now where I'm enjoying stuff that has to be endured. Um, right. And, and I think back that to our, our music we were talking about last episode. Right, exactly. And I'm also, I'm currently reading a book by a writer named Pierre Guillotat, who's also French. And um, he was, he had a book called Eden, 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 which was banned for 11 years in France for uh, being obscene, porn, basically. Um, He's kind of famous for, uh, I guess he used to masturbate while he would write, and he once wrote for so long without eating that he went to a hospital and got put into, he was in a coma because of it, and and came out of it and wrote a book called Coma. Um, but Eden, Eden, Eden is about 150 pages. It's like one long sentence and it's just descriptions of torture and rape and bodily functions. And it, he, he was in the, um, I'm kind of jumping around here, but, uh, Guillotin was in the Algerian war and saw some pretty harrowing shit, I guess, while he was there. So the book takes place during that and it kind of follows a group of soldiers who, you know, do all manner of horrific things um that's my bedtime reading i'm just kind of i'm like kind of drifting off reading this kind of horrific you know marquis de sade on steroids type prose um i don't know why i like it i don't i don't really get like a thrill out of it um sexually or otherwise it's just like fascinating to me and this movie was fascinating to me in the same kind of way it's takes my you know like uh, enjoying watching the guy sweep in the floor in twin peaks it's like what if that but it was horrible you know and i'm like yeah. i'm intrigued i'm intrigued let's watch the man let's watch the man sweep the floor on acid and then yeah. somebody gets lit on fire um I, so i, I don't yeah. disagree with anything you're saying it's more just like that's what i i'm enjoying currently just (laughs) being put through the fucking ringer dude but in like a really kind of like surface level uh shallow quick because it is quick temporally it's you know it's only it's an hour and a half so it it is it feels long it was exactly 10 hours it was 10 hours it was exactly 10 hours long right um but i i'm kind of like it's a very confrontational film that doesn't it feels like it doesn't want you to like it and that's what i like now i'm so tired of all my art and entertainment like trying to please me so it's interesting to me to find something that seems to hate my guts and it's just like fuck you don't like me 
And it I'm did, like, you know to, what? To, for, to some extent it did, but I think it, it, it might have made an, a mistake if that was the message by having them wake up and all feel bad. Because that makes it seem like there's hope for humanity or something. Or maybe it's just a little, a little extra bit of punishment. I mean, I agree with you as far as watching. The physicality of it is fascinating. Like, I, I seem to enjoy watching people dancing. That was a new discovery. And also, like, physical people getting nuts and, like, partying, right? Like, mm-hmm. that... You ever see Outland, the uh, I, Sean Connery science fiction movie? I, I, I didn't, but real quick, this won't be too long of a digression, but... No actually said that in an interview about Climax. He says he doesn't like watching actors act. He prefers <laughs> to watch um, like Cirque du Soleil and shit like that. That makes sense. Like when I'm making movies, he, he wants to see bodies in in motion, like human bodies doing crazy things, which I can totally get behind. But yes, out, Outland. But yeah, that's I think that's, that's kind of exactly what I was going to say. In Outland, there's just a line where Peter Boyle is, he runs this big... Uh, this big space station where these guys all day have to do the equivalent of like a oil worker, you know, they're just on some sort of space pipeline all day. And he's telling the new sheriff in town, he's like, you got to give these guys some leeway at the end of the week. He's like, my boys work hard and then they play hard. Uh And so I thought, I just thought that line was interesting because they called in Sheriff Sean Connery because his boys were playing so hard that they keep murdering prostitutes. And that's you a hate, real problem. You hate to see it, man. You hate to see it. So this movie kind of reminded me of that, where it's like they just got dancing, and they dance hard, and then they dance real hard. <laughs> you know, like yeah. when they're done yeah. when they're yeah. done dancing for work, they're going to dance to party, and that's that's where the real dancing shows up. Uh-huh. There was there was an aggression to it that um, that was fun, and I liked that. Now some of the style, I would have liked the camera just to have stayed on them. He mm-hmm. started get he started getting a little tricksy with it. I he did this right. upside down shit that was real really annoying. I, I yeah. really liked the upside down filming in Midsummer was great for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I watched them almost back to back here at home. That from have, the we, have ceiling, we done we did a Midsummer pod right? Oh, we of did, course, right? yeah. It was a big love yeah. fest. Yeah, yeah. We could we could do another one for the director's cut. Um, I but, just but got anyway, it. Yeah, man. I just got it. Yeah, but go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, just the the from the ceiling stuff. And like, there's the upside down shots of the red room stuff. I think it was it was kind of like that crutch they did with Suspiria, where they kind of they take a couple frames out and it gives it that strobe light look. And I think they just did that in Suspiria because it looked a little silly, <laughs> you know. It was disguising that that climax. And for this, uh-huh. I think they were just trying to conceal the fact that a bunch of people were pretending to be fucking on the floor. So. To flip it upside down at the end was really annoying. I wanted a static, big, widescreen shot of that same dance floor and then all of them being animals. That's what I wanted. Instead, I got this weird, like, faux stylistic, upside down, serpentine camera tracking through their, their, you know, hedonistic shit. It's like, I don't want that. I want you to sit back and with a non-judgmental eye, show me this room. And all this shit going down. And it didn't happen to where it was distracting me. And mm-hmm. kind of like, I don't know, it just kind of made me mad. He did, and he did this thing with this, he had all that text on the screen, right? He, 
Like one time mm-hmm. it said life is a collective impossibility or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then later mm-hmm. on it says like, it says death is great at the end. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he does it, but the text is backwards. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like I almost pulled an Elvis on my TV. Like, why would you do that at the end? Do you want me to turn upside down? And like, why are you, it's like he lost faith in his material. Cause mm. if you think the best parts of the, of his, of this movie were these from above shots, the camera does not move. And it just shows that the, all these characters going nuts. Mm-hmm. And that's, that stuff has scope. And all of a sudden it makes this one, they're like, they're, they're confined. It's a claustrophobic movie. We talked about those last time, but this movie looked gigantic when it just sat there on that dance floor. It made this mm-hmm. movie look bigger than anything. But as soon as you start moving it around, as soon as that camera starts moving from person to person, I felt like I was in a, I was in a movie. I felt like I was in a student film, like sit still, back it up, put it on all these people and let them do their thing because they were doing a lot of un, it looked like a lot of unrehearsed shit. Like someone just said, Hey, go out there and fucking go nuts. And mm-hmm. So it was like he was playing catch up with his his actors were ahead of him. He was zipping around the dance floor trying to show them doing gross stuff, but they were they're trying they made them try to time it with the camera. I, it's hard to explain. But if you just when you just sat there on them and they were all partying or whatever, uh-huh. there was a lot of a lot of very creative singular things going on with this giant cast. It was fascinating. Mm-hmm. So he, he yeah. like shot himself in the foot. It kind of pissed me off. Hmm. Um, and that I don't know. And the upside down, like at the end, uh, spoiler alert. I think. Let me know if this is how it ends for you. I, was that supposed to show that that blonde girl is putting acid in her eyes because she's the one who spiked the punch? Is that what's going uh-huh. on there? Okay. Yep. So that had kind of a neat effect because it goes upside down on the eyes. Yeah. And that and it does the abrupt ending. The no credit ending was great, but like. It just made me think that like nothing visceral enough justifies nothing important plot wise happening. Does that make sense? Like if you're gonna have nothing happen plot wise, then something needs to be musically or visually or just fucking bonkers enough to cover to patch that hole. Instead, I felt like it was kind of crazy, and it was mm-hmm. kind of nothing, and it was kind of nothing. And that's, and that's what I got. I don't know. I think that if it was, if it did the things that you wanted to do, which I think are interesting, I think it would have lost its kind of endurance test quality. Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you asked what movie I would have made. I will answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what I would have done. Here's what I would have done. I would have never moved the camera. It would have been like that piece of shit wheel man. I, where they fucked up. I would never move the camera. It would have sat on, on the dance floor the entire time. And the only time you would hear people talking to each other is when they got close enough to where the camera was mounted. And then you can overhear their conversations. And mm-hmm. I think that would give us the endurance test in a, in a more interesting way. And you don't, everybody wouldn't have to be on the screen at the same time. They could duck behind the thing and get their direction from the, you know, the director would be like, okay, you're going to run out there and pretend like you're ripping your own head off. And then they, so that you wouldn't have to, it wouldn't have to be one take, but it would give the mm-hmm. illusion of somebody turned on a camera and this is what it caught that day. That's mm-hmm. what I would have, that's what I would have done. Interesting. Interesting. 
Yeah, no, I liked uh, very, yeah, very I condescending know. way you said interesting. It was very condescending. Well, I have that. I have that tone. You know, I I get that tone. I get that a lot. Where um, a coworker of mine will come up and he'll say, "Hey, man, I just I finished this up," and he'll show me whatever it is that he's been working on, and I'll say, "Oh, that looks great, man." He'll be like, "Fuck you, dude." I'm like, "Dude, I just told you it looked great," and I genuinely mean it. But I have one of those uh, voices. Uh, yeah, something um, about it. Something about it. Like I got mad right there. I don't even know why. Yeah, I, I do that. So I understand. I, I understand. I get half you, man. Crushed this Lacroix can. It's like half crushed <laughs> in my hand. No, I uh, <laughs> I liked the movement and I, I liked uh, I liked the the colors and the I liked that it made me feel awful and that I you know it made me have flashbacks to to whatever. Um, but yeah, no, I mean the other thing that I I have to say is that it doesn't really inspire. Besides the things that I've already talked about, it doesn't really inspire a whole lot of like other lines of conversation for me. You know, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, do you like feeling bad? Well, you'll probably like Climax, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah I guess I'm glad I, I watched it. I don't know. I, I'm glad I watched it and I showed, uh, uh, I showed Amy the dance stuff and mm-hmm. she thought it was visually interesting. But I know mm-hmm. that she's not, uh, she's not going to enjoy them kicking the pregnant woman or the little little kid dying like you know sure it's this that's not going to be uh enjoyable for her right now so 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 i just i just watched it three in the morning like a psychotic (laughs) just get get all the lights off so there's just this red strobe effect going in my living room so you know (laughs) yeah no I, i yeah i watched it when rios went to work and kind of the same thing there's a lot of that, that I, I i don't really know there are some movies where i know that i'm going to have to watch them by myself i think to myself like there's just there's no way that this is going to end well hold on give me just one second hey kalua kalua hey kalua hey Rios, can you put the can you put the cone on her please sorry we're gonna have to we're gonna have to cone up my dog cone that baby She's she's just got to get the cone. We bought her CBD treats, which are coming tomorrow, and I'm very interested to see if they work. Um, I feel like it's a combination right now of she has itchy skin for sure, so I got ones that have uh, turmeric and in the CBD, so hopefully that'll help her itchy coat. But there's also ones that are just calming because I think that a lot of it has to do with um, anxiety. Like I feel like. We live in a house with a lot of other people and a lot of other dogs. And sort of since people moved in, she's just been this, you know, kind of wild beast, man. Like, like I've never seen in all of my 12 years of having her. She, she kind of just itches herself compulsively. And, you know, mm. we give her baths with the anti-itch stuff and doesn't seem to, mm. doesn't seem to do anything. I think it's mostly psychological myself. That's my, that's my uh, analysis, okay. but. Anyway, yeah. that's the that's that's the dog corner of the almost good podcast. <laughs> dog corner, what is their deal? Um, but uh, yeah, you got, any, you got anything else you want to talk about? I think I'm. I think that's a wrap for me on on climax. Yeah, I think uh, I think that was about. Uh, I think that was the only stuff, only thoughts I had on the movie. I didn't need. Yeah. I thought I had nothing to say about it until we started talking about it. So, yeah. Um, we we uh, we dug deep. We, Interesting. We Interesting. we work hard and we pod hard. 
That's right. I was trying to do the interesting thing again, just to get your blood up, but can't get my didn't blood. work. I've been, dude, I've been smoking meat all day. You can't get my blood. It's <laughs> <laughs> been down in the meat mines, dude. Just the big old, you know, accordion lung thing, just fucking whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> uh, Anything else you want to, this, this typically in the past few episodes, um, has been sort of reserved for, for sort of very angry, frustrated rants. And I only have, uh, we kind of did a, that up top. We did that up top. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, we did. I don't know. I have a, I have a real minor one. Um, when I was saying that, uh, Amy didn't watch the, uh, the movie climax with me, I was going to say that we did share a text. We watched Fleabag together, which was amazing. Um, okay. have you seen that show yet? Mm-mm. It's good shit. Believe the hype. Good stuff. Probably the best thing on TV right now. Um, okay. No bullshit. It's great. A couple things have started to. I feel like the honeymoon's over on Fleabag with me <laughs> because uh, I discovered that uh, what's her name Phoebe Phoebe Bridge Phoebe Waller Bridge. The one she writes it, she acts in it. She's the. It started off as a play. She kick-started it or something it seemed like a real inspiring tale but like mm. her dad her dad founded a trading company and this he's like a billionaire mm-hmm. and oh. and you know how fast that can make us turn on people like I oh know. without a doubt like on a dime yeah <sighs> it happens that fast i shouldn't have told you that because now you're never gonna watch the show and it's really good but um anyway this one this that was a side note this one thing kind of irritated me just because um you know, it's a real critic darling, right? It's a, it's an audience darling. Everybody loves Fleabag right now. Um, okay. But what fascinates me is that it has at least, at least three distinct rape jokes in it. Hmm. Now, this doesn't bother me at all. I mm-hmm. Because the, the jokes make sense in the context and they're funny. Um, but I feel like it forever disproved the whole rape jokes are never funny theory. Do you remember that was a big theory? That was. I do theory. remember that, yeah. That was the kind of thing that you did not question that. And in fact, no. I kind of I kind of got banished from a circle of friends by questioning that. It was um mm-hmm. it was back this was before before the whole cancel culture thing and um when I had that I had a lit magazine flywheel at the time but um I was talking to well I was in a, a Facebook conversation with Roxanne Gay and uh-huh. yeah she i see where some, this is going yeah well somebody was somebody was talking about um rape jokes and roxanne gay posted rape jokes are never funny period so i commented and i thought it was pretty restrained i said unless they're funny was right. my, my my response like mm-hmm. the, i thought that was like do i have to say it but anyway well um, roxanne gay does not suffer the plebes disagreeing uh, with her this well. was before this was before the rise this was before this was when she was doing pank magazine and um she was still down here with the rest of us yeah <laughs> and so right <laughs> so i got so i got banished dude when i said that it was a, a it was like in the fucking movies when the the pariah sits down at the lunch table there were a lot of people who have never talked to me again for saying unless they're funny uh-huh. And it, it's so I just want to say I don't not that it's some big, you know, redemption story, but, you know, critic and audience darling Fleabag has three rape jokes in it. Nobody seems to care. 
Um, I don't know if we've, are we over that whole theory? But, and I, here's one of them. Like, tell me that this is not, this is right at the beginning of the, of the show. They're in a bad part of town and the protagonist's sister says, we're going to die here. We're going to get raped and die. And the protagonist says, like, to the camera, essentially, well, every cloud. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, that is not, uh, like, that's a rape joke. Of course, right? yeah. Of course it is, yeah. And, okay, just making sure. Yeah. I'm just making sure because no, I, well, I got banished. I got banished, to, you know. This will actually, this, this, this will, this, I can riff off this. Um, I have decided having i've kind of been moving away from the lit community because i i just i feel like everybody there is um it's too cowardly to just sort of say what they really think ever um but then i kind of amended that and i've I've moved so i've moved out of it and i've realized that when you go to other communities there are people who have different opinions about stuff and they disagree and they sometimes fight and the fights can be ugly. Sometimes they're not ugly, whatever, but there's conflict, you know? Um, when it comes to the lit community, you will never encounter, at least I have never in my travels encountered such a completely ideologically homogenous group of people where everybody, everybody is in agreement at all times. And I've noticed I've noticed that even when I'm on social media, um, that if I post something that has even a whiff of controversy about it, it just won't get any engagement at all. It's not even people necessarily disagreeing with me because I, I feel like a good portion of the a lot of, yeah a lot of them are so spineless that they don't even want to fight with me because yeah. and and I'm I'm not even a major figure. I'm like. I'm pretty minor in the grand scheme of things, but they don't even want to necessarily like take me on because they don't want to fight with anybody unless it's a slam dunk, right? Mm -hmm. There've been a few times where people have lost their minds and typed a bunch of like, you know, N words and F words and all kinds of bad shit. And then we've all decided like, okay, this is a person we can all collectively take a shit on and we feel a lot better for ourselves about like, I remember one time somebody called Gabino a slur um and we we all had a good time fucking but that i mean i'm not saying that guy is okay gabino's my friend and that's fucked up and they were right to go after him in that case but what i'm saying is that it has to be a slam dunk like that you know people aren't gonna move away from you know just pillorying the apps like the unequivocal racist um if it's anything else if somebody says something kind of like mildly racist Nobody, nobody will go after them. They'll just ignore it, right? Or to move maybe away from racism into just having... I mean, I did this... Of course, it, I don't know why I did a Twitter thread. I was bored after work. But I did a Twitter thread about exactly what we talked about with the Martin Scorsese thing. And it just... There's just no interaction, you know? You can look at the impressions the tweet gets, like how many people see it. And then you'll just see nobody wants to engage with it. Because writers don't want to wade into... They don't want to wade into it where they're disagreeing with me openly because that would be conflict. And even if they're not afraid of me, they're afraid of maybe a, a friend of mine seeing them disagreeing with me and not liking them. 
but they also don't want to be seen liking something controversial because, oh, what if somebody notices that they liked something controversial and decides to not like them for it? And the reason why is because it's such a small, dying yeah. industry. Yeah, and they're, they're worried that that's going to cost them a fucking contract with, you know, the pays, right. and, pen, pays and chickens and pennies. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. A contract, too, by the way, like, I, I know I, I can count on one of my hands in my decade of being or in, in books. I can count on one hand people who've gotten really good book contract right. deals you know um it's it's a, it's not gonna happen for you folks i hate to be the guy who says this but it's just it can't happen for everybody and even if it does you're not gonna retire from it so you better find you're a craft gonna, <laughs> you're gonna retire you're gonna you gotta figure something else you better out better work with those fucking hands bro but yeah, no, the, uh... and, and but and that's the thing too is that you know if you go out and you do learn a craft or even if you become a part of an industry or something like that that involves you know becoming a part of a hierarchy and actually working like playing office politics and working your way up to actually making some real money what i don't understand is these people have all censored themselves and silenced themselves like playing the lottery you know what I mean? It would be a bunch of people right. buying scratch scratch tickets, and it's like right. if you say the if you say the n word, your scratch ticket is null and void. And <laughs> That's it's like probably that probably should be the case, though. Probably yeah. should, probably <laughs> should, probably should. Uh, but you know, it's like we could just but, say you know, you know if if it, you say I, something if you say something mean to like the wrong person, your scratch ticket like, is null and void. And right, it's like, right, right. and it's like, uh, yeah, I don't just for anybody listening because. I don't want anybody to mistake. I I don't want people to say the N word. Um, <laughs> like that has to be clarified because uh, I feel like it, it really because does. You've got, I, I don't because do... you've got a handful of scratch off tickets. Because I got you my never, handful of scratch off tickets. You, might, you might, never know, they, dude. They you might, never know. They might you hit. never know. You could be like that Saturday Night Live guy <laughs> and fucking nail Saturday Night Live and everybody's like, this guy said, hold on, let me... Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> let me let me pull up with this guy said on his podcast eight months ago. Like, um, well, people see that and they and they use that and they they think about, oh my god, that could be me. You're never gonna be on Saturday Night Live. You're you're never gonna have this big book contract because I hate to break it well, to you. Well, even you're if not, they do, they you're not they, you're not that good of a writer. You know what well, I mean? Like, or they there's there's all yeah there's a couple different reasons why they're not gonna do that. But um, even if they did. They're gonna be like that that guy who every so often does a Kickstarter and fakes a heart attack. Like they're not gonna have any benefits at the end. Of, <laughs> they're not gonna have any benefits, so they're not gonna be able to pay their fucking. They're not gonna be able to pay for their pain pills later in life. Like right. You, you need a job with some benefits. You're not gonna. All not I'm gonna saying re- is. You're not all I'm retire. saying is like. All I'm saying is like you could live. You just you. These these people live their whole lives without a shred of dignity for themselves you know it's like they just they're in this constant groveling position well that's, well, that's they, the question do why risk do you want to risk an entire life of being a sycophant on the off chance that that ticket hits like, exactly th- then you look thank back you. thank then you, you look why would you want to risk that like yeah. i don't know it's not worth it, dude. It's not worth it. You know, it's it's, well, it's much not more. Just, it's not worth it because it's not worth it because the prize isn't a value. It's like it's not worth it because it's not. It's literally not worth anything. That's right. a different. That's different than the reward isn't worth it. 
You know what I mean? Right. Then, I and it's like, oh, it's like, oh, I could have spent the past 40 years saying what I thought and going on hikes and working out and eating correctly and taking care of my body and expanding my mind by reading books. And I spent all that time kissing ass on the Internet. I spent all that time liking the perfect thing. Liking, <laughs> liking everything perfectly, always having the correct opinion. Now, here's the thing. If you got a little steam, if you got a little traction fucking sell out dude become a sycophant if you really think that you're close if you really think that and there are some folks i know who do this who i feel like are and i and i forgive them because i'm like well you actually have the talent to be able to to pull it off so you know what kiss kiss the right asses play the game whatever but i just i feel like a lot of people just need this reality check and it's like you might i'm not saying go be a troll i'm just saying just be a human being online it's 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 not it, i don't know i'm repeating myself now what but. you're saying is what you're saying is work hard and like hard that's <laughs> exactly what i'm saying that's exactly what i'm saying what i'm saying is don't fucking ignore me when i say something a little off color because ooh, just to, uh, it's really all about me it's about not ignoring me and paying attention to me <laughs> which nobody does and i have to convince myself that it's not because my posts suck ass it's because people just aren't fucking edgy enough they're not twisted enough to appreciate my Dude, got, my dark mind i got i got banished three nick cave albums ago so i don't know what you're crying about oh is it because you don't like nick cave no that's just how i gauge time oh okay right right <laughs> um yeah no i <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think there because there are places that do kind of like I don't know. It's it's mostly sort of I think areas where people have kind of given up all hope of ever kind of making anything of their lives. For example, like philosophical communities, right? I follow a lot of people who are sort of self-styled philosophers, which I understand is embarrassing, uh, but also very interesting on Twitter, and they just say whatever the fuck they want because. They've given up, dude. It's it's never happening for them. So they're just right. like, I'm saying whatever I think. And it becomes really interesting because that when people stop talking along ideological party lines and just sort of say things that they're thinking, it becomes fascinating. It runs this crazy gamut from stuff where I'm like, oh, yeah, 100% to like, oh, my God, that's horrific. And it comes from the same person within like two hours, you know? And it's impossible for me to classify because these people aren't racist, right-wing assholes, but they're also not like left-wing, progressive, neoliberal ideologues either. And it's just fucking refreshing. I enjoy it. But, you know, you have to completely give up before you can do that, I guess. You have to just accept that you're not going to be in the tribe. You'll get more of that in the world, though. It's only a through the filter of social media that everything looks like so pure and people are, you know, marching to the same orders. But as soon as you, those same people act conspicuously normal when you get them out in the world. Oh, they do. Of course. Yeah, of course. Right. It's just to, just when it's being recorded, you know what I mean? Right. Which is, you know, and to be fair, uh, I feel like we do this a lot on our show too, which is we kind of also always end on a roast of ourselves um, a lot of this is just my my stupid inability to to realize that hey maybe when you are online maybe you maybe you kind of are at work right and maybe if you're at work you're not walking around being like 
I love fucking wet, fat pussies, you know, like, because you'll get fired. So you don't just say those words. And in the same way, when you're online, maybe you're maybe you're always at a job. And I hate myself for even saying that. I take all of that back. I really just be yourself, people fucking live life. <laughs> it's an inspiring. It's kind of like Gary Vaynerchuk at the end of the day. I'm just telling people, go out there, bro. Live your life. Fucking hustle, bro. Fucking, you know. You know what I'm talking about? This Gary Vaynerchuk dude. It's like a, I don't know who I don't know who that is. It's like an inspirational dude, but he says the f word a lot, so people are like, "Oh, this is, this is fucking great, man! It's crazy." Um, he but he's always he doesn't record. He doesn't record himself sitting in his car, does he? <laughs> I think he has a few of those. He might have a few of those, indeed. Because that's a but, that's a genre right there. That's a definite genre. But yeah, but it's kind of like, come on, guys, let's go, let's go, let's let's. I remember the earlier days of Facebook, people used to fight with me all the time. And it was, it was actually a little, it was a little nice in retrospect. It's like, oh, you guys disagree and, and we're having a back and forth, you know, except for some, I mean, some of them were just fucking annoying and I just blocked them immediately because they bothered me and they refused to admit that I was correct, which is we'll just not, have not that. Cool. Are we, um, let's go off the record real quick. Oh, we're going off the record. All right. Well, on, in that case, we'll. Because uh, I, I got something to talk about. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. Give me something lo- to talk about. I love this dude, and I really do think like I'm still recording. Um, <laughs> I really do think that we should make a Patreon, dude, where we do almost off good after dark, after off the dark. off the record, gonna... on the QT, and very very hush hush kind of shit. Well, it's going. It's it's going after. It's it's going dark here in a second. All right, cool. Well, you guys can't hear that because uh, we, me and me and Dave got a handful of lottery tickets. <laughs> We're not quite ready to burn yet. So, on that note, thank you for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Somehow